This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, November 11th, 2019 edition of Invest Talk. And there's a lot of variables at play as usual, but today was kind of a slow day. Why? Because it was a bank holiday. It's Veterans Day. Happy Veterans Happy Veterans Day to all those that served our country throughout the years out there. Thank you for your service and I hope you guys had a good day off. Unfortunately for some, today was not a holiday, so the market was open, the bond market was closed, the banks were closed, and therefore you didn't get a whole lot of movement, so not a shock there. But as always, there's new news coming out each and every day on on the political front, on the economic front, on the earnings front. And I'm here to give you unbiased guidance and unbiased perspective, right? And information. There's a lot of information out there in today's digital world. A lot of talking heads and a lot of websites you can visit with different opinions and different data points that may or may not be reliable. So there's a lot to digest and I am here to try to clarify all this for you, okay? And same with Steve, and that's why we do the show each and every weekday. And our goal is to help you take that one next step in your own version and own journey towards financial freedom. And in order to better help you in particular, I want to get your calls. I want to hear what is on your mind. What are you thinking about on this Veterans Day? 888 chart 888 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. So I urge everyone to get their calls in sooner rather than later. And we do the show each and every weekday with a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. So this is not Kramer. This is not CNBC. If you're looking for that type of show, you've come to the wrong place. Okay. Now, my main talking point today concerns the opinion that Trump's tariffs and the UK Brexit could spur healthier global growth. Basically, the opinion is that it's kind of a wake-up call to a lot of tough trends, economic trends, that have been going on for really decades. And I'm going to touch on that and get a little deeper on technological changes, demographic trends, bad economic policies, etc. So I'll kind of try to distill the last 20, 30 years of economic trends into an easy, bite-sized, understandable narrative. Because that's really what people want. People need kind of some basic understanding of what the cross current of forces in the world have done to our economy over the last 20 or 30 years. So we're going to discuss that. Also, which area of the economy is being hit the most by tariffs? And if you said furniture, you're probably right. It's one of the most affected by tariffs. So we're going to talk about why that is, how that is, and whether that is good or bad for the sector long term and whether or not that's going to change in the medium term. Also, one big trend in the auto industry has to do with loans and subprime loans. And it's not just about lending to 
people that don't deserve a loan. It's also lending to people who are deep underwater on their cars, kind of like how they were back with housing back in the mid-2000s. So there's a lot of parallels here. I'm going to touch on that. And then also Hong Kong. Hong Kong erupted into violence, not Tiananmen Square level violence, but there definitely was an escalation of violence. And this is a story that I think is still underreported on. It is, it is by far the most volatile situation in the world today, politically, and its final result will also have the largest impact on politics going forward for the next decades, right? How China handles this situation, both positively or negatively, is going to have ramifications uh, with allies, with uh, on the economic front, uh, etc. So it's a really important story that I want to touch on. And I think it's uh, it's going to be interesting for everybody. If you're not paying attention to it, you really should. So that's on my docket for the day. That's what I want to talk about. But ultimately, I want to know what is on your mind. So don't hesitate. Give me a call with your finance or investing related question. About 45 minutes left in the show. So you're going to call. Try to do it sooner rather than later. What time does fly by? Let's go look at the markets today. We had a modest, very modest down day. S&P was down about 13 basis points, small caps down 10, the Qs were down 9 basis points, transportation was down. We were we were pretty much down across the board. The the best performing sector was the were the home builders after a tough couple of weeks since rates started to go up, right? Since the end of the cycle of Fed tightening or at least the announcement of that uh, that pushed interest rates a little higher and since then Housing stock didn't do so well, but you kind of see, you saw a stop. You saw a stop in the rise in the 10 year. In fact, the 10 year was only up one basis point today. So, very, very modest. And that's kind of the market maybe thinking that this advance in the 10 year to 1.95 ish from a low of about 1.45, so about 50 basis points off its low, which if you think about it, it doesn't sound like a lot, but it really is. You know, you're going from Call it 1.5 to 2, that's about a 33% increase in the cost of borrowing. And that is reflected in mortgage rates and all other rates in the economy as well. So clearly, there's an inverse correlation there with rates going up, housing stocks go down. Also, the commodity index was down, utilities were down, which was interesting considering the abatement in the rise in interest rates. Retail was, was down. So it was across the board. Transportation was down. There's really only a few subsectors that were were up overall, and it was a, just another modest down day after uh, a decent rally over the past couple weeks, and kind of a ho hum day. Once again, it's a bank holiday. It's Veterans Day, so not a whole lot going on. Now, you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and no one has ever been able to reliably predict market movements, but. If you are serious about achieving financial freedom, you need to understand whether your portfolio is designed for the market movements that you can expect and whether your emotions can handle that. Okay, You can contact Steve or myself and set up an appointment for a portfolio assessment. These are personalized sit-down consultations in office, either Southern California, Northern California, New York, or over the phone or Skype. You can learn more at investtalk.com. And now I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART.
This is Invest Talk, the radio program and podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom. You may be a regular listener, you may even have called a few times, but if you've never called, what are you waiting for? The phone lines are open, and Steve and Justin would love to hear your questions right now. Call 888-99-CHART. This is John from San Diego. I wanted to know your thoughts on, I think, the furniture office maker, Herman Miller, M-L-H-R. Okay, thank you. Bye. All right, he's looking at Herman Miller, MLHR is a symbol they manufacture. Office furniture system, seating, case goods, storage, and freestanding furniture worldwide. I use a Herman Miller chair every day at the KPP offices, so I like their products. Their revenues are growing pretty consistently, 7 to 10% every single quarter over the last two years. Earnings in the low 20% range on average over that time frame as well. So clearly a lot of the, that that gross margin is hitting the bottom line, right? So uh, they're, they're very leveraged type of uh, business in that way. They have a lot of operating leverage there, which is a good thing when things are going well. Uh, and they have very minimal debt. I like that. About a $3 billion market cap, $2.8 billion. And they they pay a little bit of dividend, 1.76. I like that. Return on equity, 24%. Also nice and high. I like that. Positive free cash flow. I'm a fan of that. So, you know, I like it. The biggest worry is in the corporate sector. They make office furniture. If you do hit some sort of recession, you see profits dwindling, you see layoffs. Well, what are people going to do? Well, there's going to be flooded with used office furniture and it's going to be a lot more attracted to buy used versus new. So it's certainly going to be a cyclical name and driven by not just, not really the consumer trend, but the corporate trends and whether or not you know, companies are expanding, hiring, remodeling offices, and just reinvesting in their business. And, uh, you know, in an environment where employment is not fantastic. It's relatively strong. It's certainly decelerated from where we were in 2018, you know, from the high 100,000 a, uh, a month to now kind of the low 100,000, 120 to 130, somewhere in that range. Herman Miller stayed high. It stayed strong. Its businesses remained robust. So I really like that. So I'm a fan uh, of Herman Miller and the, the chart looks pretty strong. Um, I like the business, but like I said, it's not a great value at these levels, and it's going to be very cyclical, but I like the fact that it has very low debt uh, and its cash flow continues to go up and up and up, and they're buying back shares, paying dividends. So the way the company is performing, I absolutely love it, but certainly on the higher risk spectrum of investments that are out there right now. 888 chart 888 Oil was up a bit to $57 a barrel. The two-year treasury yield was at 1.68, like I said, up about a basis point on the uh, on the 10-year to 1.93, excuse me, and 1.68 on the two-year. So you're seeing a steeping of the yield curve. Gold was at 14.62 per ounce. Continues to consolidate right around this 1,500 level. Uh, 14.25 is that level where it might be worrisome. From a technical perspective, if it breaks below that level, that's where you broke out from. 
So it's not uncommon to see an asset class break out above resistance, stay broken out for a little bit of time, but then retrench or, or retest the breakout zone on around that 1425 range. And it looks like it might be working its way down there. And it's doing so in a healthy manner. It's not a quick spike down, uh, which could just simply mean uh, that investors are jumping out. No, this is just more of a, a readjustment, a consolidation phase, like I said. And as long as we stay above that 1425, it remains in a very constructive bullish stance on gold. So I'm, I'm a fan of that. Bitcoin was down a little bit to 87.32 per coin. Once again, it's an area that continues need to need to be watched, the cryptocurrency space, because long, long term, I do think it has a, a place. You know, other central banks are looking at it and uh, the, the technology is being used and refined and, and it's u being used very limit in limited scope with a lot of corporations. And so it's one of those things. I kind of think of it like the internet back in the, the 60s when some governments were using parts of it and corporations were messing with it, but there wasn't really a unified protocol of how it was going to work or you know, working out the kinks were, were, were difficult and took a long time uh, because just certain technologies were not developed yet. Uh, and I think that's kind of the space we're at with cryptocurrency where we still have another 10, 20, maybe 30 years of developing and refining before it could ever be a viable product in today's world and it have the right use cases for widespread use. So uh, just be aware of that. That's my opinion, but I could be wrong. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And let me remind you that the Invest Talk radio program and its podcast replay provide a daily dose of market news with our unbiased commentary. That's what we try to give you every day. We have a new offering. It's called Invest Talk Academy. It's online training classes covering a wide variety of financial and investment subjects more in depth than we can here on the radio obviously now you can learn more at investtalk.com now we're heading into the break and i'm taking your questions now at 888.99 chart This is Invest Talk, and helping you achieve your financial freedom is the primary objective. Justin Klein is here now, taking your finance and investing questions live. Call 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Now, our main talking point is uh, opinion piece that says Trump's tariffs and Brexit could spur healthier global growth. And there's definitely different ways to think about it. And But clearly, the global economy is decelerating. We've been talking about that for a while. And some analysts blame the Trump tariffs, the UK Brexit, by creating uncertainty around businesses and their investments. Right? When companies are uncertain about the future, they tend to hire less, build less factories, and, and launch new products, etc. And they wait instead for more clarity. Now, for decades, economic growth in the West was owed to demographic changes and a shift of business to China and other offshore countries. 
Now, some will say technology reduced growth here on the in the on the Western uh, part of the world, but I would actually say it accelerated in some ways. But it's also a catalyst for globalization. You can't have globalization with tech, without the technology shifts that we've had as well. So technology has certainly cut both ways, right? There's been Millions of jobs created in Silicon Valley over the past 20 or 30 years, very high paying. And clearly that's not bad for the United States as a whole. But China's rise has been powered by export subsidies, right? Subsidizing businesses to export to the rest of the world. Creating high import barriers, this is what Trump talks about. Technology theft and easy credit which allows these corporations to borrow money, build capacity to manufacture and hire workers and export. Because that's what China has been pushing their economy to move to. Consequently, Western governments or Western businesses have lost earnings, intellectual property, and it sucked jobs out of you know the Rust Belt, parts of Europe, especially Southern Europe. Now that's benefited some areas of, of the world. Germany, for example, has exported a lot to China with a rising demand of the middle class there. They're buying goods as well, especially high-valued goods. And Germany is one of those countries who's very good at producing high-valued goods. But once again, it sucked labor out of the southern part of Europe. So the euro is chronically overvalued for countries like Italy and undervalued for countries like Germany. And the Western, in the Western world, almost everybody who wants a smartphone, a laptop, a big screen TV, they have one. Right? So there's where is the economic growth going to come from? When you have an aging population who's more worried about saving and retirement and buying smaller cars as opposed to big cars for a growing family, right? I say 10,000 baby boomers retire every day, as well as younger people are having kids older, less kids. That means they have two earner families where that creates lower paying jobs to clean homes, deliver meals, etc. And that's why you're seeing these trends. So Trump and Boris Johnson and Brexit, they're creatures of this inequality gap. They didn't create it. They didn't create the slow growth. This is something that's been going on for a long, long time. We're spending way too much on healthcare. Student debt is a big drag on our economy. New home purchases, birth rates, etc. Because people can't afford to have kids and buy a home because they're still paying off student debt. So could Trump and the changes in tariffs and and positioning towards allies that are still low-cost countries, but are more aligned with us and our values and our political system. And I think that's where the world is going, away from China and towards those who 
have similar democratic values. And I think that's where the trade relations are going to go. And that will create the economic growth for the world. Now, can we fit another caller question in? No, we can't. Okay, well, we're going to go to break on the next Invest Talk. This market watcher's opinion why the prospective $30 billion buyout of Walgreens may signal an end to the market rally. That'll be an interesting one. Could you be correct? Steve will cover that story tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions at 888 chart From sunrise to sunset. Hi, Steve. This is Carol in Alabama. From dusk till dawn. Hey, guys. It's Carl from Philadelphia. The questions keep coming. I had a question regarding portfolio yield. From down the street, around the corner, and across the country. Big fan of the podcast from New York here. I'm calling from the Chicagoland area. From Newport, Kentucky. Invest Talk listeners have one objective. This is Frank from the Bay Area. Financial freedom. Had a question on your opinion about this Vanguard Total Bond Market Index Fund. How they get there and when they get there is up to them. My question today is about diversification. But Steve Peasley and Justin Klein can help improve their strategy with unbiased investing guidance. I really thank you guys for all of your knowledge and wisdom. Listen live or download the podcast, investtalk.com. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial, where they implement a very practical investing philosophy, independent thinking, shared success. Learn more anytime at investtalk.com. And now Justin's here taking your calls, so step up with your questions, 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve, it's Trevor. I'm a beginner investor. I'm 20 in Salt Lake City. I was wondering, for a beginner investor uh, with only $1,000 in my account, should I go towards ETFs, stocks, or should I just continue to save up? Love the show. Thank you, Steve. Say ETFs because you get instant diversification and you don't need to do a whole lot of research. And you still get to participate in the market and understand ebbs and flows and volatility, etc. I am a bigger fan of investing in individual companies, especially in today's world where commissions are free now. Hopefully you're at a commission-free broker. Uh, I think Schwab is now free. Fidelity, TD Ameritrade. I think that's it. There's probably some other ones as well, but we use TD Ameritrade. But probably be at, hopefully be at a, one of those free brokers. And then you can invest a little bit in multiple companies that you are interested in, that you understand, that you've done a little bit of research on. And you can make mistakes. And you'll learn a lot more by making those mistakes as opposed to buying an ETF and you're not really going to learn that much, right, about the investment side of the side of things. It's just more about indexing. It's all you're doing is indexing. There's not a whole lot you're going to learn from that. But if you invest in an individual company and you lose 20%, then you've only lost, you know, a couple hundred dollars, hundred dollars, whatever, you know, that amount is. It's a small amount. 
but you'll learn the ebbs and flows of the market, the mistakes that most individuals make and newbies make, which is they buy high and they chase investments, and that tends to not work out so well in the end. And you'll learn that the hard way, but it will still be a relatively cheap way to learn because you don't have much money invested. As opposed to ETFing for 20, 30 years, or sorry, you know, maybe five, 10 years, and then you suddenly have enough to get a broad, diversified portfolio, and you start investing in individual stocks, and you start learning those lessons then the hard way and losing thousands of dollars at a time. So I would continue to save, but start investing in companies that you really understand, researching them, understanding their valuations, and learning from your mistakes, and I think you'll be better off in the long run. So Steve and I have probably a little bit different opinions on that. You go with, with whatever is comfortable for you. 888 chart 888 Let's talk a little bit about the furniture business, and this is one of the areas of the world or the economy that is being hit the most by tariffs. And if you have been to a recent trade show in the furniture industry, you'll see that there are placards and signs at different booths that say no tariffs because it's impacted the business so much. And many are caught up in it. Now, this started in September of 2018 when there was a 10% tariff instituted on imported furniture from China. And it increased in May after, once again, U.S.-China trade talks fell apart, increased to 25%. And even companies like Wayfair, who sells furniture online, they their stock plunged 14% on Halloween because of worse than expected quarter because of the cost of tariffs. Now, this has created plummeting sales from retailers, and it's been been handled by the industry based on two things. One is they've been shifting supply to other countries. Another is they've been incentivizing buyers by pushing payments off and you know 0% interest for X number of months. And sometimes suppliers have agreed to cover some of that cost, right? Reduce their profits on the Chinese side. Now, most consumers don't really have a sense exactly what how much furniture costs. So this has only really affected the industry at the margins. It hasn't really put anybody completely out of business because... There's just been shifts, shifts that are different than you've seen in the past. Now, furniture prices were falling about 1% per year from 2014 to 2017, and in 2018, they rose 2.3%. So you can see, once again, something that the Fed doesn't take into account because of globalization, because of finding cheap labor all over the world, furniture prices have been declining. And once you switch that with tariffs and change our trade policy, you suddenly see inflation again. Shocker. Now, some retailers are passing these price hikes on to the consumer. Like I said, most consumers don't really know how much furniture really costs. 
Some are raising prices by up to 7%. Some are laying off workers. So it's, you know, Trump thinks that tariffs are going to bring manufacturing back to the United States, but the industrial production data shows that there's been no increase in U.S. furniture manufacturing since the tariffs have taken effect. Only changes in import patterns. And this is what I say would have been a more successful strategy with Trump is not necessarily just putting tariffs on China, but also incentivizing trading with allies like Vietnam. Vietnam is an area where there's also a lot of furniture production, and that's where most of the the buyers have been shifting their, their buying from, or to, excuse me. Shipments of furniture from China from September 2018 to September 2019 declined 30%, while in Vietnam increased 51%. Ashley Home Stores, one of the largest furniture manufacturers, shifted most of their production to Vietnam as well. So this is the effect of the tariffs. It's not just lack of buying from China. It's making adjustments to supply chains. And if possible, they shift it to other countries, not necessarily back here to the United States. Now, I think we can squeeze one caller question in right now at 888-99-CHART. Hi, my name is Eric, and I'm calling to get your advice on my rollover IRA. I was able to roll over about $25,000, and I was wondering if you thought with it being somewhat of a small amount of money, if it was better to stick to ETFs and mutual funds and that kind of thing, or if that's enough money to start investing in stocks. Then my second my question is, if it's enough to start investing in stocks, do you ever build your portfolio with competing companies? For instance, Coke and Pepsi, Ford and GM, Target and Walmart. Would you ever have both of them, or would you pick one and stick with it? Thank you. Great call. And this is an answer that I wouldn't have given two months ago. Uh, And I'm basically going to say, in today's world, with commission-free stock trading, you can build a diversified portfolio with very little money. So $25,000 is plenty to build a diversified portfolio. Now, when you're paying $7 or $10 per trade, building a portfolio, spending say three, $400 on commissions to fill up a portfolio when you only had $10,000 didn't make a whole lot of sense. But now that cost is next to nothing. So $25,000 is plenty to build a diversified portfolio. The bigger question is, do you have the, the data, the discipline, the proper strategy, the time to do the research and monitor the market? to build a portfolio that is right for you. That's what, that's the question that has to be answered in today's world. No longer about commissions. And I think this is actually going to hurt the fund industry overall because before it was, well, I could put 25% of my portfolio in one ETF or one mutual fund and my commission is going to be, you know, $7, $10, whatever that is but I'm getting broad diversification with one trade. 
Well, now you can create that same broad diversification with zero commissions. So absolutely, if you have the time, like I said, you have the data, you can build it yourself. Now, lastly, your other question about do you build portfolios with multiple companies in the same industry, competitors within the same industry? And I'm going to say absolutely yes. Of course. You know, we have portfolios that own AT&T and Verizon. Why? Because they're still great businesses with great cash flow, great dividend, great profitability. And they're still the leaders, even though Sprint, T-Mobile, et cetera, they're trying to nip at their heels, take a market share. Verizon and AT&T still are competing with each other, but they both together own a very large percentage of the domestic market. So absolutely, there's nothing wrong with holding competitors in a portfolio as long as both of them have their strengths. There can be, you can know, two hotelers who, one, uh, you, you know, is low cost, budget friendly hotels. Others are very high end. They're still competitors probably to some degree, but they can both be very profitable and sustain profitability and cash flow and dividends long term. And that's what you're more concerned with. But thanks for the call. All great questions. I'm Justin Klein. You're listening to Invest Talk, and obviously, you understand the importance of unbiased guidance and experienced market analysis. And I encourage you to consider subscribing to the KPP Premium Newsletter. It's written and distributed every single Friday. You'll get valuable information, information, excuse me, such as market analysis, portfolio management guidance, and stock ideas as well. You can subscribe anytime at InvestTalk.com. And now I'm ready to take your question at 99 chart. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial. As an investor, you've seen the volatility of the market. To prosper, serious investors need to make sure they are implementing an effective master design, a deliberate plan formulated with the right mix of strategic investing programs. KPP Financial offers such a diverse set of programs, and you can contact Steve or Justin at their offices in Irvine, California, to start a conversation. You can also quickly see what you may be missing anytime when you visit investtalk.com. The phone lines are open. Justin is here and he's ready for your questions. Call now, 888-99-CHART. Eight 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 ninety nine chart eight eight nine nine two four two seven eight. Now, before we get to the last segment, I want to touch a little bit on on Hong Kong, uh, and this is a situation there that is escalating. And it's it's clear that it's just going to escalate into something not very fun. You have two sides that are very strong and staunch, Chinese government and protesters who are demanding. Freedom. And to me, this is the epicenter of not just a political debate between communism and a command economy and democracy and freedom and capitalism, but also philosophy of corporations and dealing with countries that are a little seedy. You know, think of diamond makers or di- you know jewelry makers who import diamonds from 
war-torn African countries, you know, blood diamonds. And that eventually became a thing, right? Where these diamonds are, what do they call them? Sustainably sourced or however they, 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 whatever moniker they put on them, they're basically saying these are not from war-torn African countries. These are from respectable countries with labor laws and, you know, this isn't being mined by seven-year-old little boys, right? And to me, this is the start of a trend of big, big corporations turning their nose up to investing in China, to tying their future growth to the Chinese population, the Chinese government. And this is a big tailwind. I think this is a big tailwind for other Asian countries like Vietnam, like the Philippines, like Indonesia, that have more democratic countries, democratic systems. Yes, they have their human rights problems. Every country does to a degree. But Hong Kong is the epicenter of this trend. And I think it will absolutely change the way China is viewed for many decades. Could it end up in a war between the Western countries, Britain? Remember, Britain has this deal with China, the one country, two systems. And if they feel that China is not living up to this agreement, then they could tear it up and create armed conflict around it. So this should be the top story in every business and news channel. Because the most important part of what's happening in today's world. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here is to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. We're going into the last segment. And our work continues after the break. So give me a call right now if you're going to do it at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial, where they implement a very practical investing philosophy independent thinking, shared success. This means KPP guidance is not influenced by promotions or sales incentives, and KPP principles practice parallel investing. So their money participates with client investments at equal prices and percentages, thereby producing shared success. Learn more anytime at investtalk.com. And now Justin's here taking your calls, so step up with your questions, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Mo. John Thompson in South Bay. I was calling uh, regarding RIG, R-I-G, Transocean. It's been kind of a yo-yo stock going up and down. Please tell me what you think about it. You have a great day. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thanks for the call. This is TransOcean. They provide contract offshore drilling for oil and gas wells worldwide. And this is a name that peaked back when you know it was thought there was peak oil, right? There's no more oil. It's hard to find more oil. And the best place was deep water drilling, and that's what they do. 
and this peaked at about $160 a share in 2008, and now we're at $5.22 a share. So clearly, those that sentiment was misguided, and there's plenty of oil, especially with the advent of fracking. So instead of offshore drilling being that expensive, marginal cost of production in a lot of ways, it has now become fracking. And therefore, the cost advantages of offshore drilling are not that great, <laughs> very poor in fact. So this has been really killed by fracking and it's starting to get a little bit of bounce off of its lows. But if you look at the fundamentals of the business, I'm just not a big fan of it. You know, did bottom at four, so it's up 25% since its lows, 30% since its lows. And it could go even more. I could see this going to seven or eight bucks as this counter trend rally takes hold. You know, if the oil industry gets a little bounce back, which it looks like it's starting to get here, uh, then there's, in the short run, I could see this moving higher. But the problem is long term, they just seem to be structurally not profitable. 2012, 2014 actually, they made $4.94 and it's basically been down, down, down since then losing more and more money each and every year. And now they owe about nine, $10 billion and their market cap's $3 billion. Their cash flow is barely positive. Their return on equity is negative 11% return on equity return on assets, excuse me, negative 5.8%. It's just a structurally bad business at this point. There's probably some hope here where oil prices get back to $80, $90 a barrel and it would sustain itself and this stock would skyrocket higher. But unless you really think we're getting back to those close to triple digit levels on oil prices, I don't think this has much long-term legs to the upside. In fact, I think this is eventually headed for bankruptcy, but not before. Potentially, a near-term pop, 20 30%, clearly possible, but extremely high risk and not something I would bet on long-term. So that was Transocean, R-I-G, the symbol. Now, my last talking point is about the auto industry. And I've seen friends, especially when I was younger, do this a lot, and that was roll over negative equity in their home in their cars. Very similar to what was happening in the housing industry in the mid two thousands, right? It was just all about getting that loan closed, whether that equity there was a lot of equity or little equity or even negative equity in the home. Remember the negams, neg negative amortization mortgages? Right, where you paid less than interest on a home and therefore added to the balance, but eventually that came due. That's kind of what's happening here in the auto industry. 33% of people who traded in cars to buy new ones in the first nine months of this year had negative equity in their cars. Pretty crazy. That compared to 28% five years ago and 10 year, years ago, that was only 19%. So it's up what, 75% increase in the percentage of cars or loans that are made with negative equity in the auto industry. So it just shows you kind of how desperate or, or what measures auto industry has gone to in order to sell the number of cars they have. And so I think they've front loaded a lot of demand for cars and I think it's gonna be a tough few years for the auto industry. 
But it was an interesting stat. I'm Justin Klein. That completes another Invest Talk program. Steve will return tomorrow. I'll be back on Thursday. But remember that you can access our free Invest Talk podcast downloads at iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. And be sure to listen, rate, and review. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART.